for the sermon. That'll help you follow along, keep up, uh, stay focused, and it'll give you something to take home with you as well. Mark chapter 6 began reading with verse number 45. Immediately he, he is Jesus, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida, while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Then he saw them straining at rowing. For the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea and would have passed them by. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Then he went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased. And they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled, for they had not understood about the loaves, because their heart was hardened. I'm using for my subject today a teacher called adversity, a teacher called Adversity, Father, I just pray today that your anointing will rest upon the message and upon the messenger, Lord, today. And God, I pray that you will give us ears on our heart today. Let us hear the word of the Lord this morning. Let us receive your word today. God, I just pray, Lord, that your word will be an incredible blessing to your people. Holy Spirit, visit with us during this message today and at the altar today, we ask All in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and all of God's people said, praise the Lord. Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Life provides many teachers. Experience is a teacher. Mentors. Mentors are, are, are incredible, incredible teachers. But maybe you have not thought of this this morning, but the truth of the matter is adversity is also a great teacher. I'm waiting on on some help this morning. In Mark chapter 6, the disciples meet this teacher called adversity. So this morning I want to point out to you four lessons that the disciples learned in this process The disciples learned through adversity. The first lesson I'd like to talk about this morning, and that's simply this, and that is sometimes, sometimes God sends us to places we don't want to go. Sometimes God sends us to places that we simply do not want to go. You see, God doesn't always check with us before giving to us our assignment. Let me ask you this morning, has God ever sent you anywhere that you really did not want to go? Has God ever asked from you something that, well, you just really didn't want to give? He has me. 
You've heard me talk from time to time about the fact that my wife and I were married at the, at the ridiculous age of 17. I, I don't recommend it. Now, 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 I would marry the same one over again if I had that opportunity, but, but, but I, I, I think I would wait a little while. I don't recommend it, but my wife and I indeed were married at the age of 17. But what is crazier than that is that we also began to pastor our first church at the age of 17. And I certainly would not recommend that. We pastored a little tiny church in western Oklahoma. Nine widow ladies from the age of 70 to 93. Two children and, and my wife and I. That was the church. Thirteen in all. I'll never forget as my wife and I, they call it trying out. When a pastor comes, when, they, when the church doesn't have a pastor and, and, and they're trying to select a pastor, they, they call it trying out. And so they bring in, bring, bring in a pastor and his wife and, and they, they interrogate them, they interview them, they turn them upside down and shake them real good. And Well, no, that's what y'all did to me when I came here. And, and they go this interview process, all of these things, but then, then the Sunday comes when it's time what they call try out. And so the preacher gets to preach his sermon, and, and maybe it's one sermon, maybe it's two sermons, and then at the end of the service, or maybe the following Wednesday, then all of the members of the church, they get to vote whether or not that pastor is going to be their next pastor. So here's my wife and I, we're 17 years old, and, and here we are on tryout Sunday, and here we've preached on Sunday morning, and, and so on Sunday morning we've preached, and so we're supposed to preach that night as well, and I can't remember if it was going to be that night after church or if it was Wednesday, that was too long ago for me to remember, but I do remember my wife and I on Sunday afternoon, we went to the church to pray. How many know when you're 17 years old and you're trying out for a church, you better pray. And I'll never forget, me and my wife, and we were sitting down on the altar on Sunday afternoon, knowing that either that night after church or Wednesday night, that the church was going to vote whether or not we would become their pastor or not. And I'll never forget, as we're sitting on the altar, and we're talking, and my wife's crying. I'm sure I don't remember it, but I know my wife, so I'm sure she was. I would cry, too, if I was a 17-year-old wife, right, and about to be a pastor's wife, huh? So I'm sure she was crying, but I'll never forget, uh, I looked over at her and I said, do you want to be the pastor of this church? And she was very emphatic. She said, no. I don't want to be the, pa- I don't want to be the pastor of any church. I sure don't want to be the pastor of this little bitty church out in the middle of nowhere. And she looked at me and she said, do you want to be the pastor of this church? And I said, No. I don't want to be the pastor of this church. But I'll never forget, I looked at her and I said, but if they elect us, are we going to take it? And she said, yeah. (laughs) She said, are we going to take it? I said, yeah. How many of you understand that sometimes God sends us to places that, that we really don't want to go? And that was the case with the disciples in our scripture today. Verse 45, the Bible says that immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. He what? 
He made them get in the boat and made them go to the other side. Now, now why would Jesus have to make his disciples get into the boat? Why in the world would they not want to go? Well, let me offer some possibilities this morning. Perhaps they didn't want to go because, because things were just so good where they were. I mean, things were, things were good where, where, where they were. Oh, oh, I don't know. Maybe their motto was, don't fix it if it ain't broke. Uh, or, or maybe their motto was, let's ride this horse as long as she'll ride. Or maybe their motto was, milk her uh, till she's dry. You see, miracles were flowing where they were. Multitudes were coming out. There was people everywhere. And the miraculous was taking place around them. Perhaps they were thinking, don't stop the momentum. Things are good here. Why in the world would we want to leave? Another possibility is perhaps they could see the storm clouds building. Because you see, these guys were not novices. These guys were professional fishermen. And because they were professional fishermen, they knew how to read the clouds. They knew how to discern the sky. And perhaps they could look out over the water. And perhaps they could look at the sky. And they could understand and realize that there was a storm brewing. And realize that Jesus was actually sending them right into the eye of the storm. And who in the world would want to go there? Truth is, sometimes God sends us to places we don't want to go. But why? Why would God do that? Why, why would God send us into adversity? Well, let me suggest three possible answers to this question this morning. One reason that the Lord sends us into adversity, and He does, by the way, And one of the reasons why the Lord will send us into adversity is to test our faith. To test our faith. And adversity will test our faith. You see, as long as Jesus is feeding everybody, oh, oh, as long as Jesus is healing everybody, oh, as long as Jesus is blessing everybody, oh, the crowds gather. Man, they're everywhere. But what happens to the crowd when the loaves and the fish stop multiplying? What happens to the crowd when a bounty is placed upon the head of the Lord? What happens to the crowd when the popularity of Jesus is changed to the persecution of Jesus? Sometimes Jesus sends us into adversity in order to test our faith. And let me ask you this morning, how strong is our faith? How strong is our faith? How, as long as the fish and the bread are multiplying, as long as the miracles are flowing, no problem. But what about when we get in the midst of adversity? What about, what about when the fish all stop multiplying? What about when the storm comes into our life? Oh, how strong is our faith? Why are we following Jesus? Do we follow him only because of the loaves and the fish? Is our motto, what have you done for me lately? How will we react to adversity? Will we run to Jesus or will we run away from Him? Will we cry out to Him for help or will we blame Him? This teacher called adversity will test our faith. Another reason for adversity is 
to increase our faith. Adversity will do one of two things. It will will either increase our faith or it will drain our faith. And we determine which of these two things occur. We, We determine it by our attitude. See, see, if we take a defeatist attitude toward the situation, the little bit of faith that we have will be drained from us and we'll have no faith at all. On the other hand, if we take a conquering attitude, we will notice that there is a surge, there is an increase of faith. To best illustrate this, think about about the 12 spies. Remember the 12 spies that were chosen to go into the promised land, to go into Canaan. Before the 3 million uh, were sent, they first sent 12 spies. And they were to go into the promised land. And they were to go in and they were to take notes and they were to look at things. They were to come back and give a report of what is in Canaan. And you remember there was quite a difference in the report Oh, oh, ten spies took a defeatist attitude. They said, we can't. They said, man, you will not believe the size of those walls. Oh, it's a well-walled, fortified cities. And how oh, there are giants, the sons of Anak, the giants are in that land, man. We can't. We better go back to Egypt while we can. Oh, oh, we'd have been better off if we had stayed in Egypt. We'd have been better off if we'd died in the wilderness, man. We can't do this. Two spies, Caleb and Joshua, said, no biggie. They said, we are well able. Let's go up at once, man. Let's take this city now. Our God promised. Did our God not promise? It doesn't matter that there's walled fortified cities. It doesn't matter that the sons of Anak, the giants, are there. It doesn't matter about all of that because our God promised. And the God that promised will also provide. Ten took a defeatist attitude. We can't, they said. Two spies, Caleb and Joshua, took a conquering attitude. We can, they said. And what happened, isn't it interesting, the ten with a defeatist attitude who said we can't, didn't. And the two with a conquering attitude who said we can, did. Why would God send us into adversity? Well, to test our faith, to increase our faith. And another reason is to reveal His power. You see, God's power is revealed in adversity. In our text, verse 48 says, The disciples were straining at rowing. They were experiencing adversity. Verse 51 says, When they invited Jesus into their adversity, the wind ceased. See, Jesus revealed His power in the midst of their adversity. And only after they invited Jesus into their adversity, only then did they stop struggling in rowing. Listen, friend, if you're facing adversity this morning, stop struggling in rowing and instead invite Jesus into your struggle. Invite Jesus into your adversity. Stop trying to play Superman. Try, stop trying to play Wonder Woman. Oh, instead, instead, get very vulnerable with God. Cry out to Him. Humble yourself before Him. Cry out for His mercy. Cry out for His grace. Invite Him into your struggle. 
title of my message today is a teacher called adversity. Four lessons we can learn from the Bible story today. Number one, sometimes God sends us to places we don't want to go. Second thing we can learn this morning is sometimes the places God sends us to are not very comfortable. Verse 48, again, they were straining at rowing because the wind was against them. See, the truth is the winds of adversity blow against us often. See, see, very seldom, very seldom do we experience life by, by coasting downhill with a gentle breeze blowing behind us. Seldom does that happen. More often than not, we are, we are pedaling uphill and there's a stiff wind in our face. Pastor, you're being negative. No, I'm not being negative this morning. I'm being truthful. Adversity is not the exception. It's the norm. Here's the problem. Man is interested in his comfort. He's interested in his comfort. For man, it's all about how something makes him feel. God, on the other hand, is interested in man's character. We're interested in comfort. God is interested in character. God is interested in who man is becoming. Man is interested in the outward. God is interested in the inward. Man is interested in the temporary. God is interested in the eternal. Somebody said that that adversity builds character. Well, I can see that. But here's what I say. Adversity reveals character. Yeah, yeah, I think adversity can build character, but I think more than that, it reveals it. Or the lack thereof. Sometimes God sends us to places that we don't want to go and places that are not very comfortable. Joseph in the Old Testament is a great example of that. God told Joseph, Hey, Joey, God said, You're going to be in leadership, man. I'm, a, I'm going to put you in leadership. Uh, God told Joseph, Man, you, you, you're going to have a high-ranking position. Uh, everybody's going to be subject to your authority. Hey, hey, Joey, even, even your father and even your older brothers are going to be under your authority. Wow, Joseph thought this is going to be cool, man. Big brother's going to bow down to baby brother. Ooh, this is going to be cool. I'm liking it. But if you read the story, you'll discover that before God placed Joseph in the palace, 
He first sent him into the pit and then sent him into the prison. You see, some of the places God sent Joseph to were certainly not comfortable. I guarantee there were places that God sent Joseph that Joseph did not want to go. And he's wondering what in the world is going on here. I'm in the pit when I'm supposed to be in the palace. I'm in the prison when I'm supposed to be in the palace. And yet the pit and the palace were as much God's will for his life. The pit and the prison were just as much God's will for his life as the palace. Yes, God's ultimate plan for Joseph was to put him in the palace. But God knew Joseph needed the lessons that he would learn in the pit and the lessons that he would learn in the prison to prepare him for the, for the reign in the palace. God knew that adversity would be a great teacher for Joseph. Maybe this morning the place God has you at right now is not too comfortable for you. In fact, it is downright uncomfortable. Perhaps God is using the pit all that He has you in right now as a teaching tool. And perhaps you're going to remain in this pit until you learn the lessons that God has you in the pit for. And the lessons He wants you to learn. And until you learn those lessons, you're going to stay in the pit or you're going to stay in the prison. So my advice to you this morning is look around. If you're in the pit this morning, uh, uh, look around you. Look around you and see whatever it is that you can learn. And ask God, God, what is it that you want me to learn down here? Because God, I sure don't like it down here in the pit. God, I sure don't like what's going on around me. So God, help me to learn the lesson I need to learn while I'm down here. Amen. So once I learn it, you can get me out. Another lesson we can learn from adversity, number three. And that is sometimes we don't recognize God's power. Sometimes we don't recognize God's power. Verse 49 and 50. When they saw him, they what? When they saw him, they did not recognize him, but rather thought they saw a ghost. Here's what I've come to learn. Sometimes we attribute to Satan what has really been sent to us by God. This story clearly tells us that Jesus sent his disciples into a storm. He didn't even suggest it. He made them get into their boat and made them go. He sent them on purpose knowing the storm was coming. He sent them into the storm. He sent them right into the middle of adversity. Jesus did it. So how come every time some little bitty hardship or some little struggle or anything uncomfortable happens to us, we immediately start rebuking the devil? Took my authority over the devil. I don't deserve this. This don't belong to me. I'm a child of God. I'm a king's kid. Take my authority here. Rebuke the devil over this. Bring my food out here cold. <laughs> but how 
come every time. Some little bitty something that's uncomfortable. Something happens, it's not just perfect. And immediately we attribute it to the devil. We start rebuking the devil. Taking authority over the devil. Now, now hear me this morning. Hear everything I have to say. Sometimes the devil is the cause. I'll get there, brother. I love him. I really do. He's a, he's a prince. Sometimes the devil is the cause. But not always. See, sometimes it's the devil. Sometimes it's God. Most of the time it's us. Yeah, sometimes it is the devil, but sometimes the storm was sent to us by God. Why would he send it? We already talked about that. He sends it to test our faith. He sends the storm or the adversity to increase our faith. He sends adversity our way to reveal his power. So, Pastor, now I'm confused. How do we know if the adversity has been sent to us by God or whether the adversity has been sent to us By the devil, how do we know? Good question. Are you ready for the answer? I don't know. (laughs) Now, sometimes I do because, you know, because what the Word teaches, whatever, but I don't always know, and we don't always know. The answer is, I don't know. If the adversity has been sent by God or whether it's been sent by the devil... Usually, know it if I would make a real good examination if I brought it on myself. But, but I'm talking about adversity that is sent to us, other than what is on our brought about by ourselves. How do we know if it's if it's the devil that put it on put us put it on us, or if it's God that put it on us? I, I really don't know. But here's the answer. I do have the answer this morning, and here is the answer this morning. Instead of focusing on the cause, and instead of focusing on the culprit, focus on what this particular adversity can teach you. Focus on God and His ability to get you out of the pit and get you through the storm. I've got the answer this morning, and the answer is: don't look around. Uh, don't look around in your adversity, looking for the hand of the devil. Don't go around looking for a devil under every bush. Don't don't look around in your adversity looking for the hand of the devil so you can blame him and you can rebuke him. No, no, no. Here's what you need to do. Instead, look around in your adversity for Jesus. Don't look around for the devil. Look around for Jesus. Look for his face. Look for his face. And if you can see his face in the midst of your adversity, I'm telling you that it will encourage you to keep on keeping on. But don't just look for his face, but look for his hand. And when you see his hand in the midst of the adversity, then take his hand. And I promise you whether he brought you in it or not, whether the devil brought you in it or not, whether you brought it upon yourself or not, if you'll see the face of Jesus in your adversity and you'll take his hand... He will walk you through the adversity and He will see you through and He'll walk you through the storm. Amen. Sometimes we don't recognize God's presence because we are too focused on the adversity. And all we can see is the storm. And all we can see is the havoc that it has caused in our life. 
Let me remind you real quickly this morning. God never takes his eyes off his kids. Proverbs Proverbs 5 and 21, the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. Proverbs 15 and 3, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. Going back to our text, where was Jesus? Where was Jesus while the disciples were struggling in the boat in the midst of the storm? The Bible says that he was on top of the mountain where he could see them clearly. He was watching them from the top of the mountain. And the Bible said that he was praying for them. And when he thought that they they had struggled far enough, he came down off of the mountain and he walked toward them on top of the water. And yet notice this very interesting verse. Verse 48 says that he came to them walking on the sea. But the Bible said that he would have passed them by. You see, only when they recognized His presence, only when they invited Him into their struggle, only then did He get in the boat with them, and only then did He calm the storm. See, as long as we want to struggle, as long as we want to try and do things on our own, do things in our own way, He'll let us. It's only when we recognize His presence, and only when we invite Him into our struggle, only then will He calm the storm. The last thing that we can learn from The adversity of the disciples is number four, is sometimes, sometimes we don't remember God's power. Sometimes we don't remember God's power. Verse 51 and 52 says that he went up into the boat to them and the wind ceased. But notice it says they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. Because they could not understand, they did not understand about the loaves because their heart was hardened. See, on the very same, that very same day, they had witnessed Jesus feed 5,000 hungry families and all you can eat fish buffet out of a little boy's lunch pail. And yet now, just a few hours later, they are, they, are, they are amazed and they marvel that He has power over the storm. Is not the God of the past also the God of the present? Can God not do for us today what He did for us yesterday? I'm not going to take time to read it this morning, but Psalm 106, verse 7 through 13 tells us that the children of Israel forgot God's power. All of the miracles, daily God gave them miracles, but the Bible says that they forgot God's power. David, on the other hand, remembered God's power. Remember the story when he was going before Goliath? That giant, and he's just a he's just a teenage kid. And he's going against this this nine, ten foot, however tall he was, giant named Goliath. And everybody was laughing at him that he would even think about going out. I mean, the greatest warriors in Israel's army wouldn't even stick their head up above the rocks. 
They wouldn't answer the bell. They wouldn't answer the call. And here's this teenage kid, an errand boy with bread and cheese. I guess they were going to have grilled cheese sandwiches. I don't know. That's all he's trusted with is just bread and cheese. Just go and, and give your brothers, his dad says, go give him some bread and some cheese and see how things are coming and come back and tell me you're just an errand boy. Come back. And, and David gets there and, he's, and he hears Goliath make his boast. And, and David said, who, who is this turkey that he would defy the armies of the living God? And his brother said, man, look at this dude. He can say anything he wants, you know. Look at him, man. Look how big he is. And David said, I'm not afraid. I said, you ought to be, boy. You ought to be. You know, that just shows how immature you are. You ought to be afraid. But David said, no, no. He said, I'm a shepherd. And he said, over and over, he said, he said, I, I've taken my, my slingshot and my rocks. And he said, when a lion or a bear would kind come in and get one of the sheep, he said, I would go out after the lion or the bear. And he said, the God that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, this same God, he'll deliver me from the hands of this giant named Goliath. Israel had forgotten the power of God. David remembered God's power. Friend, when facing adversity, it's good to take a quick trip down memory lane. It's good for us to recall our past adversities and how God was with us and how He got us through them. And listen, friend, if He did it for us back then, He can do it for us right now. What He did in the past, He can do in the present. Worship team's getting back in place this morning. My subject today is a teacher called adversity. See, we can learn much through adversity if we pay attention in the midst of adversity. Here's our takeaway for today. If you're taking your notes, write these in. Here's our takeaway for today. That is what we learn from today's adversity will help us overcome tomorrow's adversity. That's exactly what happened with David. It was the adversity that he had when the lion and the bear tried to come into the flock. That's adversity, man. But it's what he learned in that adversity that made him ready to face a greater adversity in Goliath. So here's our takeaway today. What we learn from today's adversity will help us overcome tomorrow's adversity. And here's our takeaway this morning. If we fail today's adversity, we are destined to repeat it. If you don't learn what you need to learn while you're in the pit, you might get out of the pit. But you'll stumble, probably getting out, and fall back in. See, there's nothing wrong with having a problem. All of us have problems. It is a problem if the problem you're facing today is the same problem you were facing a year ago. You should have overcome that by now and gone on to the next one. Amen? Now, I know there's some very traumatic things. My, you, know, I don't, you can make blanket statements, and I'm not meaning that, but I'm telling you, by and large, that's true. By and large, that's true. For some things, it takes more than a year. But you know what I'm saying, I hope. Don't always take me totally literally, okay? 
understand what I mean. Amen. Everyone standing this morning, please. Father, I just pray today, Lord. God, I don't know what's going on in the lives of the people today. I just know by the law of average that there are people in this room today, Lord, they're facing adversity. There are people today, Lord, that, God, they're pedaling uphill with the wind in their face. God, there are people today that are facing things that they've never, ever faced and never dreamed that they would ever have to face in their life. God, I pray that you'll help us to remember, Lord, the God of the past is the God of the present. And what you've done in the past, you will do for us in the future. And God, I pray that you'll help us today in the midst of our adversity not to, not to look around trying to find the devil so we can rebuke the devil in their times when we do need to rebuke the devil. But God, more important than that, help us to look around in our adver- adversity and look for your face today and look to see that you are there. Even as the three Hebrew children in the midst of their adversity when the, when the fire was turned up seven times hotter than it had ever been heated before. But in the midst of their adversity, they looked around and they saw the form of the fourth man who was none other than the Son of God. So help us to look around in our adversity today and help us to see the face of our Lord. Oh, we'll find encouragement in your face today. And once we have seen your face, Lord, let us look for your hand today. And once we see your hand today, let us reach out and take your hand today, knowing, Lord, that you will lead us through. You'll lead us through. Everyone's head is bowed. Everyone's eyes are closed today. How many in this room this morning? You'll lift your hand and say, Pastor, I... Wow, did I need this message today because because adversity is definitely knocking on my door. The the winds of of adversity are definitely howling in my life today. And I see your hand all over this room today. Adversity is blowing in my life. Thank you. God bless you in every one of these sections here today. All right. A dozen people in every one of these sections lifted your hand. Others should have. If you raised your hand or even if you didn't, This morning, I want you to come this morning. I want you to do the things that I've asked you to do in this message today. I want you to come to this altar this morning. I want you to begin to look for the face of Jesus. And once you see his face today, I want you to look for his hand. And I want you to take his hand and let him lead you through this morning. I can't promise you, I can't promise you this morning uh, that when you leave this room that things will change, that there will be no more adversity in your life. No, no, I can't promise you that, that the wind will stop immediately. But I can promise you if you can see Jesus in the adversity, you'll have courage to keep on going on. And I can promise you this morning that if you'll look around, you'll see His hand today. And if you'll take His hand, He'll lead you through it. He'll lead you through it. He'll lead you through it. It may take some time, but He will lead you through it. He's faithful. He's faithful. Come on in a little closer this morning. Come on in a little closer. I want to invite everyone else this morning. You didn't lift your hand, but I want you to come in this morning as well. Let's just spend some time before the Lord this morning. Just spend some time. I'm going to stop talking. We're going to have a couple of minutes where it's just one-on-one, just altar time, just you and God this morning. And, and we'll finish up with a worship song this morning. We'll, we'll, we'll leave this room uh, 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 encouraged and, and, and lifted up and, and, and blessed this morning. Amen. One-on-one time uh, with the Lord this morning as the musicians play very softly this morning for a couple of moments.
And you came down from heaven's throne. This earth you formed was not your home. In love like this, the world had never known. A crown of thorns to mark your name. Forgiveness fell upon your face. In love like this. altar of our praise let there be no higher name Jesus Son of God you laid down your perfect life you are the sacrifice Jesus Son of God you are Jesus Son of God just thank you that you don't just leave us 
by ourselves when we're facing adversity, but Lord, you are there with us. You sympathize with us and you help us through what we're going through. And Father, I pray for each and every one of us standing up here today that we're facing adversity. We're facing obstacles. We're facing tough times. Lord, I pray that we would put more trust in you in this season, that we would depend on you even more. And Father, we would trust in you and believe that you're going to help us through. And Lord, you're going to make us a better person through it. We love you. We pray, Lord Jesus, that we would keep the right attitude and spirit during our adversity. And Lord, we just honor you today and love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're dismissed this morning. If you're a guest with us, please turn in your connection card at our Welcome Center. If you're a ministry leader, I need to meet with you real quickly right at the front of the room.